1: Hey, thanks for joining us for another week here on Winning Ponies. Things are starting to cook up. We've got some unbelievable Kentucky Derby and Oaks preps that uh, happened last week. We'll review them. And coming up this week, boy, our plate is full. Uh, I'm going to bring in my main man, Ed Meyer, who's been missing, will tell you about his adventures over the winter. Uh, But, of course, at at Keeneland, the Toyota Bluegrass, a lot of question marks in there. You know, you've got the undefeated McCracken and Brian Hernandez riding for Ian Wilkes. Uh, They uh, certainly are no strangers to Keeneland and have been working very well there. Then you've got the ever-improving Tapret, who only cost $1. Point two million million, one One of the many tappets we're going to see race over the weekend. And then J-Boy's Echo, Dale Roman's barn, ships in after a win at Aqueducts Gotham. And then you've got Practical Joke from the uh, Chad Brown horse. Well, I won't go on. I'll let Ed break it down. But we're going to look at the Toyota Bluegrass, uh, the central back bank ashland from keeneland and also from that lexington track the grade one madison then uh we're going to uh, move out to the west coast and take a look at a race that is wide open with plenty of angles and that is the santa anita derby grade one million dollars up for grabs plenty of derby points and let's not forget the east coast We've got the Wood Memorial, another race with uh, no great monster in there that everybody has to beat, but plenty of horses there with a lot of upside to them. Again, I'll let Ed break that down for us. Our first Guest is going to be Barbara Livingston and uh, if you've ever seen a picture in the last uh, 15 years of uh, a fantastic racehorse or a legend of the past in current years, it was taken by Barbara she's got a new book coming out, Old and New Friends that chronicles the lives of 100 retired racehorses including, he's retired but he's having fun, American Pharaoh. So uh, Barbara Livingston uh, again uh, will be our, our first guest. Uh, she's an old, old friend of mine going back to our teenage years, believe it or not, in Albany, New York. Well, uh, had another uh, good week here uh, on the Winning Ponies website. Hope you went there and pulled down your easy win forms. Uh, Did mention last week that uh, we're going to feature a lot of races from Gulfstream. Had a good, good week at Gulfstream. Had a $1 Super 5 box that paid Uh, $2,134. Another Uh, $1 Super 5, where we keyed the horse on top, paid $1,986. And also in Florida, it was no April Fool. Another $1 Super 5 key paid $2,024. But of course, we do go coast to coast. Let's not forget the win we had at Santa Anita, $1 Super, that paid $2,292. And at Golden Gate, huge hit, $1 Super 5, $6,000. 385, and as wide open as these races are that we're going to look at today, you are definitely going to want to go to WinningPonies.com and take a look at the site. There's plenty to look at. It's a fantastic site, but uh, certainly worth the investment to get the easy win forms for whatever track or big races uh, that you are playing. And again, they're 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 coast to coast, but we're going to send her most of our handicapping for opening weekend. At Keeneland, of course, uh, they're going to have an all-stakes pick four and an all-stakes pick five presented by TVG, so these will be important races uh, for you to look at and to listen to see who my man Ed Meyer likes. Well, it was announced about a week ago that uh, the Sheiks were going to uh, up the ante on the Dubai Classic. I don't know that a specific number was put out there, but... I don't know if they've been trumped or not, but the Grade 1 Pegasus World Cup Invitational, it's going to go back to Gulfstream Park for its second running next year. It's going to carry a record $16 million in purses so it solidifies its status as the world's richest thoroughbred horse race it'll be very interesting uh, to see who they draw of course this year aerogate and california chrome kind of dominated the headlines though only Arrowgate dominated the field so we'll see if we get more shippers from uh, the other side of the pond as they like to say and uh don't forget we do have uh online qualifiers that you might be interested in uh there's national handicap championship Birth sunday on horseplayers.com that's sunday horseplayers.com for you great horse players out there that's where you want to go to try to get in on some of the tournament action okay well uh I'm gonna tip my hand here because the louisiana derby winner brian hernandez not only topped the weekly standings but he was named jockey of the week uh of course uh, the uh Was not an April Fool's Day for him in the Louisiana Derby. He had the call aboard Gervin. Just gave this horse a sensational ride. Very, very patiently uh, handled. Uh, Didn't press the button until he had to. Now, this was only the fourth career start uh, for Gervin, trained by Joe Sharp. We're going to see what happens with McCracken on Saturday in the Bluegrass because Hernandez. He's uh, going to have some decisions to make after this week, or whether or not he's going to stick with uh, Joe Gerv- uh, Gervin for Joe Sharp or stick with uh, Ian Wilkes and McCracken. I know he does a lot more personal work, I do believe, for Ian Wilkes. So congratulations to Brian Hernandez, who's uh, been been a regular here uh, on the show. He's a, he's a good friend, I'm married to a friend of mine, and I wish him nothing but the best. A lot of people forget that he was the leading apprentice rider when he started out. So he's got an Eclipse Award, and his wife's got one for photography. So uh Congratulations to Brian Hernandez. Okay, Classic Empire. As we know, we thought he was going to be in the Bluegrass. Instead, he's working towards the Arkansas Derby. We're going to have Mary Rampolini on with us next week from the Daily Racing Form. She's covering all the racing out at Oaklawn Park. Uh, so we'll see how last year's juvenile male champion, Classic Empire, uh, works up to the Arkansas Derby. Of course, uh, some different things have happened with him. Uh, they. He got a little quirky, and even this last work, they thought it was just on a, some dust kicking up. Um, he, he did outwork Aeroforce, who's a stakes winner himself. He went in 59-3, and three. so he'll be shipping over to Oaklawn this week. I wish him best of luck. I always like to see a champ come back. Okay. Speaking of champs coming back, Arrowgate has returned to Santa Anita Park. Uh, The world's richest horse in North America is back with Bob Baffert and his familiar friends. Uh, They say he's uh, still a little fresh and uh, they're going to back off him for about 30 days. He's going to be trained, but he's not really going to breeze for another month. And uh, from there, what Baffert uh, likes to say is we'll let him tell us what he wants to do. So it looks like the plan is to run them in the Pacific classic that's uh, in mid August at Del Mar and then the breeders cup November 4th, which is there too. So uh, they are saying though, if he's kicking down the stall, there might get one start in before that. So uh, we'll be watching to see what happens with Arrogate and congratulations to my friend, Milt Toby. Uh, he just won a national honor for his blood horse story on Shergar. Uh, he is the recipient of the American Society of Journalists and Authors uh, who uh, selected him for that Milt's just a great guy former equine photographer as a matter of fact of course we're going to have Barbara Livingston up with us next And uh, but Milt was a photographer and then he went over he was with uh, Soldier of Fortune magazine and after he had some bullets fly over his head one day he says I think I'll go find another career came back to uh, Kentucky became a lawyer and uh, he's still a fantastic writer he's uh, won several uh uh, book Awards uh, won the uh, Tony Ryan, of which we know that Barbara Livingston, is her book's going to be eligible for one this year, too. Let's do a quick recap of the big races uh, that we uh, handicapped uh, last week. Um, at Gulfstream Park of course a lot of buzz right now about Always Dreaming who was very very impressive in winning the million dollar Florida Derby and the second spot was State of Honor they decided to take the blinkers off and it looks like it was a good decision for Mark Cassie and the third spot was Gunavera, who quite frankly that post position really cost that horse the race uh, had to take a left hand turn with Javier Castellano in the saddle uh, got way way back, made what I thought was a decent rally. Wasn't going to catch Always Dreaming, but Gunavera, just for the storylines uh, with uh, Antonio Sano and uh, Javier Castellana, the natives of Venezuela. Uh, if you haven't heard the story, Google it. You'll like it. It's, it's just an amazing comeback story here for the, for the trainer. Also at Gulfstream, it was the Oaks and on the First Friday in May, we may very well see a salty horse going to post in Salty. Four trainer Mark Cassie. This horse had a slow start, went five wide, four wide, and just one by four and a half uh, driving. Very impressive race. Second was to Quilita, and in the third spot was Jordan's Henny. But Salty, big wake up call. And the Gulfstream Park Oaks horse will most probably be heading towards Kentucky. And then um, in the uh, Louisiana Derby, we already tipped our hand on that one. Impressive ride uh, by brian hernandez joe sharp Ed Gervin, very sharp uh, went a little bit wide at the three-quarter poles, rallied from fourth and just pulled away clear by a length and a quarter in the second spot was patch at four to one he was bumped at the start as well as local hero bumped at the start ended up running third so uh big decision to be made down the road for brian hernandez depending on what mccracken does on saturday at lexington okay Let's not forget the fairgrounds. Oaks, uh, the winner in here, no surprise at all. People were trying to bet against this horse. It was a lesson in futility, feral established herself i think is the pre-race favorite for the kentucky oaks channing hill stayed in the forepath, tracked the pace outside and just cruised to the lead at the quarter pole and pulled away to win by three and a quarter of course we had wayne catalano on the show a couple weeks ago wish those guys nothing but the best and also at the fairgrounds real quick it was the new orleans handicap great race <coughs> In a photo finish, it was honorable duty, horse for course, now undefeated at fairgrounds. Three straight wins in a row, all of them in stakes. This, of course, the handicap being a grade two, rallied and got up by a neck over breaking Lucky, who led by three into the stretch. So those were our big races that we looked at last week on Winning Ponies. Right now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Going to be talking with one of my favorite photographers in the world, if not my favorite photographer, and that's Barbara Livingston, who's currently making her living taking photos for the Daily Racing Form. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
0: Streaming live.
1: all right. Well, uh, up next, we're going to be talking with Barbara Livingston. Of course, uh, she is uh, right now uh, nominated for the Dr. Tony Ryan Book Award that annually recognizes the best book published uh, in the previous year. And uh, you get a $10,000 winner's prize. uh all the finalists get at least 1,000, and they get a beautiful tipperary crystal statuette. So uh, uh, the book, Barbara Livingston's Old and New Friends, it chronicles the lives of 100 retired racehorses, including the 2015 Triple Crown hero, American Pharaoh. Um, I hope you got up to the Daily Racing Form recently and took a look at the beautiful photo documentary of Man O' War and uh, and. Barbara and the work she put into it, and the uh, the great respect she has for, shall I say, the ghost of the past in racing. So, with no further ado, I believe we've got you, Barbara Livingston. Are you with us?
2: Yes, I am, John. Great to great to be talking
1: to you. All right, great to be talking to you. As I said the last time I uh, had you on, and the sake of transparency, that you and I were Facebook friends before the internet was invented. <laughs>
2: Hard to believe that it ever was before the Internet was invented. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, it, it, was, it was a great little club that horse lovers had called the Sport of Kings. And I was uh, living the summers in Albany. And I noticed there was another girl in Albany that was in the Sport of Kings. And her name was Barbara Livingston. Years later, when I saw her name pop up, you know, as a, you know, a professional photographer, I'm like, I wonder if that's the same girl. And as it turns out, it was. So your, your love of horses started very, very early. Why don't you recap uh, with us uh, the early years? I know the first picture I took took was with a brownie camera of Manny Yakaza at Saratoga
2: <laughs> do
1: you remember what year that is um did I'm sure because I, I, I would always date them on the back and remember the old days you could get the Albany Times Union and they would actually publish the charts and I would cut the charts and put them on the back of the photos
2: okay that's terrifying because I did the same why aren't we together <laughs> 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 I feel be a little bit scary. <laughs> I, uh, I did similarly, but with the Schenectady Gazette, which was the neighboring newspaper, and that was the late seventies and the and the and the eighties. I like think early seventies even.
1: Yes, <laughs> so, yes. And I remember I've got I've got uh, an old brownie picture of Shoemaker winning on Gamely. I believe that was the Alabama. But I digress. Wow. Let's talk about your early days. How how, how did you get hooked? And uh, and well, tell me about you know the first time you started bringing cameras to the races.
2: I mean, that's pretty interesting. You actually predate me at shooting at the track by a small amount. But I first went to Saratoga with my folks in maybe around 1970. In 1971, so I was uh, 10 years old in 1971, and they brought a camera. So I took pictures with one of those Instamatics, the 126s. And I just thought it was the most wonderful thing ever, like the way people do now. Uh, And so then we saw Secretariat, and then I saw Ruffian and Forgo. By 74, I'd photographed Ruffian and Forgo. And then after Ruffian uh, had her misfortune, I was just riveted by the fact that I still had the images of her. Like, it's almost like she still was alive in a way. You know, Her moment of glory was still alive through photos. And when I was 13, I think it was, I wrote in my uh, diary, I'm going to be a horse racing photographer. So I actually, with my parents, had nothing to do with horses. Nobody around me had anything to do with horses. But you know how that is. Horses get into people's soul somehow. And uh, I decided at that point that's what I was going to be and nothing would stop me from it. And I went to college and at college they kept telling me to do other things for my assignments. Uh, like say if it was something you were supposed to photograph a grave site or some sort of memorial, I went and photographed Man O' War. You know, it, it was just the obvious thing and oh, there was an ethnic assignment so I went to the backstretch. And no matter what the assignment was, I managed to wrap it around not just horses but racehorses and... uh I just sort of never let anything get in my way. I graduated from college, had my first blood horse cover very shortly thereafter, and I haven't uh, given it up yet.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I'm looking right now at the cover of the new uh, uh, Old Friends uh, sponsored by the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. I was, saw a stack of them yesterday. I was in the Keeneland Library uh, doing some uh, research on Man of War myself, and uh, the mm-hmm. cover photo is just fantastic. You might be up for another Eclipse Award. I believe you've already got two on the mantle. Um, I believe that might be alphabet soup in the background, but there's a full moon reflective on uh, the the pond that's in front of old friends in Georgetown, Kentucky. I mean, let's face it, in this business... You've got to be good, but sometimes you just got to be lucky. That horse has to move past the tree. Yes. The, 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 the lake has to be perfect. I mean, you nailed that one, Barbara.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that absolutely is true, and there is no doubt there is luck involved in addition to figuring out how to expose a moon and have it not look like a white blob. But, yeah, well, so no. that one I actually, for I got up before sunrise for some reason for that one. It's actually a moon set before daylight. Oh really? And, uh, I waited I waited maybe 10 minutes for uh for alphabet soup to walk in the right spot.
1: <laughs> yeah, cuz <'cause> he really <laughs> is. He I've been I I've been. I've stood on exactly where you were. Not at sunrise, that's for sure. I'm sure my head was on a pillow. But the same thing. I had to wait until he walked between the trees because he, you know, of course, being a roan, he stands out so well. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, but first of all, a uh, tip of the cap to all the the work uh, that you do for the people at at Old Friends. You really capture. But I think this says something about uh, your. Uh, your, your respect uh, for horses of the past and, and for your calling, almost as, as it is, to not let people forget about the great horses, no matter what age they are.
2: It, that, that's actually fascinating that you said that, because I've just spent this last three hours IDing in depth some old negatives that I purchased from a photographer in Kentucky. And it's negatives from the 1940s and 50s. And a lot of them are horses no one would ever know, will never know. But to me, I'll, you look at it, and that animal had just as important a life as Man o war or Secretariat or Ruffian in their way, and they meant that much to someone somewhere along the way, whether it was a groom, hot walker, you know, through their progeny somehow. And I don't want people to only ever think of Arrogate, not that we don't love thinking of Arrogate, because we do, but but we also want to think of the ones that, that wanted to be Arrogate or tried their best to be and just weren't able to for whatever reason. <laughs>
1: No, obviously, yeah, it's, it's I, I, I've followed your work for years, even to that beautiful book uh, that you produce on uh, scenes uh, from Saratoga. But I've got to ask you about your day-to-day life. Now, do you get paid by the photo or by the mile?
2: <laughs> it better not be by the mile. Well, actually, maybe that'd be preferred. This winter, I drove from uh, Gulfstream Park in southern Florida out to Los Angeles to spend some time out there at Santa Anita. Um, and that was a blast, but it was a heck of a lot of miles, and so with the daily racing forum, I have a monthly agreement, and I go to the different racetracks that have top races and cover the races for them. Uh, they give me a lot of free reign, but it's so much fun to work for the racing forum because they do articles every day on allowances up to the grade one races, so you get to know some horses you might not know otherwise, and you get to you know, meet some people you might not meet otherwise. And For me, part of that fun is that when I die, maybe 50 years from now, somebody will look at one of my negatives of some horse they might not know that much about otherwise, and it might inspire them or spark something in them that that somehow I helped with.
1: You'll be the CC Cook. You'll you'll be be the the, the Charles Christian Cook of your era. (laughs) I mean, I'm a collector. I know you are. Uh, How many photos do you got that have his byline scribbled down on the right-hand corner?
3: (laughs) It's
2: actually, it's actually a terrifying amount. Yeah, remember when he actually, I actually managed to buy, um, he had like, not a rubber stamper, but a, a stamper that he would actually, they would engrave his name into the pictures, of course, make it a you know, three-dimensional raised surface. And I own two of the little machines that they used to stamp that. Really? <laughs> so, so I have some of his stuff, some of Skeets Smetter's things. Yes. Uh, Burt Clark Thayer, whenever I was able to, Alan Brewer. So I've, yeah, I've tried to collect things from the photographers of the past, and you mentioned Milton C. So Toby, and I had no idea about the Soldier of Fortune era in his life.
1: Oh, he, unbelievable, Barbara. Yeah, you probably knew him back in the day. Yeah, but that he, that he was covering it for the magazine. And he says, one day I'm sitting there like bullets are bouncing off this rock behind me. And he's like, what the hell am I doing here? And he went and found his new life, uh, which has been a great one. And I've continued to watch his career. And uh, he lets me review his books. And I usually have him on the show shortly after. I can't wait till the full book on Shergar comes out. I'm sure that's going to be great. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about uh, old and New Friends.
2: Uh, yeah, but I did, I've done a series of books on old horses called Old Friends, which I know is now known for a farm of the same name. But interestingly enough, right after my first book came out, Old Friends, which was published through Blood Horse, through Eclipse Press, uh, that was 2002, and I got an email or a note from a gentleman named Michael Blowen, who I did not know. And he wrote and he said, I absolutely love your book, Old Friends. I'm going to start a horse farm. Do you mind if I name it after your book? Really? Yeah, so I actually thought, sure, nobody's ever going to know your farm. What do I care? We got permission from the Blood Horse. And now every time people see my book, they say, wow, that's great. It's named after the farm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You were a step ahead of them, Barbara.
2: (laughs) It was fantastic. and I believe the name was given to me by Tom Hall, as it was come up with Tom Hall. So Tom Hall at the Blood Horse gets the credit for the term Old Friends, which Obviously, it's worked pretty well for the uh, for the farm. And my four books, three are thoroughbreds, one is standardbreds, and it's just chronicling the lives of horses, both of which we remember, some of which we don't, had, had other things that made them special um, in their older age, generally 20 and up, um, with their whole stories about people that love them and what they look like in their older age. It's it's fun and nostalgia for people, especially for people like you and I who might remember having seen a horse race. You know, in 1990 now would be old, and we actually get to read up and go, wow, I can't believe the horse is still around. I remember seeing him at Arlington or wherever. Well, you know, you mentioned... It's a
1: fun trip down memory lane. You mentioned seeing Secretariat at Secretary, uh, Saratoga, and I got to guess I was there that day. Of course, did not know you, and I decided I'd go up by the quarter pole and, because that's where Big Red would be making his great move in the Whitney. <laughs> so I'm there, and they're coming around the turn, and I'll tell you, I have the best shot of onion you ever saw. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's fantastic. I was there, and when we saw the race finish, we couldn't understand how Secretariat had lost his blinkers during the race. That's how sure we were the chestnut with the star had to be him. It was winning. <laughs> Isn't that great? And then after, we looked we're like, wait, wait, there he is. He has blinkers. Who the what the? <laughs> right. So right. Yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. Good job there.
1: <laughs> and about five years later, or maybe more, I saw Onion racing in about an $8,000 claiming race on Preakness yeah. Day, yeah. believe it or not. I couldn't believe it. Well, um, <laughs> Barbara, this uh, I've got to close out this segment, though. I could talk to you for an hour. Um, how do people, <laughs> or when can people get their hands on Old and New Friends?
2: Um, you know, it is out. It's published through the Daily Racing Forum. And it came out just before Christmas, so that was sort of a little problematic. But we sold quite a few in that time. The Daily Racing Forum, DRF.com, sells it. And also Old Friends has, I think they still have some autographed copies. You know, Michael Blown, he's great at getting people to buy things. And it's in their great gift shop. So that actually helps out the horses there, to, a percentage goes toward them. And, uh, and it, it's just so much fun to chronicle these horses. And you know, the books will live on, and in a way, the horses will all live on.
1: Well, you, you just, Barbara, you do a fantastic job. Uh, you, your love of what you do just emanates uh, so solidly through your photography. And uh, I, I just want to thank you for being a part of the fabric of this sport that we love so much.
2: What kind words, and it goes right back to you. For people that don't know, John's an extraordinary photographer. Extraordinary. I love seeing your work. And uh, next
1: happy. to you, I'm an also ran, Barbara.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll stop this conversation until we're actually in person, and then we can tell each other how great we are.
1: All right. Well, I'll <laughs> see you sometime you so in the next. I'll see you sometime in the next five weeks with about eighty-five pounds of metal hanging around you.
2: <laughs> I can't wait.
1: All right. Well, that's Barbara Thanks Livingston, the lead photographer for the Daily Racing Forum, one of the hardest working and most dedicated people uh, that I know in the sport of kings. It's uh, one of the reasons why I love this game so much is, is the people in it. And another person that uh, I've got to meet through the sports coming up next, he's the man I admire, Ed Meyer, is going to be our guest handicapper today. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs>
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart
1: All right, and with me, my old partner in capping, a guy that uh, used to be behind this microphone himself, and he passed it on to me after I cleaned the headset off. I've been doing the show ever since, but the former host of Winning Ponies and a man that wears many hats in racing is Ed Meyer. Now, something I do want to tell you, folks, uh, some people have said, hey, did you and Ed have a falling out? I noticed that he hasn't been on the show for a couple months. Well, I didn't want to... you know, let people know what he was doing, but I will tell you that Ed kind of took a little hiatus, and he competed in the Alaskan Ididatrod, and that's the reason he has not been on the show. Ed, was that an unbelievable experience, or what? John, it
3: was one of the greatest times of my life. I didn't believe that 93 dogs could pull my frame that far, but they did well. <laughs> they really hung I in I did. There. Your,
1: <laughs> I heard there were some <laughs> PETA problems with it, but you, you finished the race, right?
3: Well, I, well, we stopped at this pub, but, you know, that's a, that's for another time. But uh, the dogs and I, we had a great time, and they, we, we both uh, ate heartily, all, all 94 of us.
1: Okay. Well, I just wanted everybody to know there was no falling out between you and I, and I missed having <laughs> you on as a guest. The truck is in the guest. mail. You are, you, you are my go-to guy, as you know. Well, uh, we're, we're going to go to uh, a, a couple races here um, in this segment but before we do let's take a look at some of the biggies that happened last week and and get get your read on it we'll start with the Florida Derby i do think Gunavera was a victim of his post position but i'll tell you what you cannot take anything away from always dreaming. This is the time of year where Todd Pletcher starts letting these horses loose. He's had them made in maiden special weights, then they go on to win an optional claiming. And just a couple weeks before the big race, boom, they explode. And he did it with more than one, and he may well do it again this weekend. Always dreaming, one by five. Now, Gunovera did get very, very far back. What was your read on the Florida Derby, Ed?
3: Right identical to yours john that that was a that was a real strong victory and you know i may be i may be a little harsh and i 'm not being critical by any means, but the outside post is sometimes they have to they have to deal with this and contend with this. They're not going to have their their favorite track and their favorite distance and post position. These are things you must overcome. But Gunavera was the victim of an outside post, ugly as it may be. Way back in the field, tried to make a nice run of it. Made it made it, it gave a good account. I, I think for all things considered. But taking nothing away from the winner, John, it it, it actually caught many handicappers eye and really made them focus and i think the derby picture for for a great number of weeks it started to clear up a little bit after that race
1: well I, it just muddled it for me because i'm, I'm still a Gunavera fan because of the great storyline that of course uh, you made me uh, uh, familiar with as far as the the, 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 the trainer antonio sano and his uh, life in venezuela we won't go into that but let the fans look it up themselves but then uh, we also had the louisiana derby and it looks like uh, brian hernandez is finding himself in a very enviable position gervin was very impressive Uh, rallied from fourth just pulled clear trained by joe sharp gervin won by one and a quarter lengths did he impress you ed
3: very much. I, I think Gervin, actually three races back, was running on the turf, not looking right at the race. I believe it was on the turf. They switched over the dirt, won impressively, and uh, Gervin came back and, and served it right up. Loves fairgrounds. And you mentioned Joe Sharp. When people say young and up-and-coming young, it's only because we're so daggone old, but he is a young gun that's going to be reckoned with. And he probably has the greatest assistant, partner, wife, and uh, workout person in the world with Rosie Napravnik as his wife, I mean, who better to really gauge the your level of, of you know, what what type of horse flesh you're bringing into the week? She was all high and and, and, and good guns all the way through. John, real impressed. I, I, I'm going to throw a little question mark, what happens when they race outside of Louisiana, but awfully, awfully impressive.
1: Absolutely. And, and Joe Sharp, you know, we talk about bloodlines in racing so much. You think about Joe Sharp came from under the wing of Mike Maker, who came from under the wing of Hall of Famer D. Wayne Lucas. So it's interesting to see these uh, generational trainers uh, move forward. And everybody said Joe Sharp would, and he's got a live one right here with Girvin. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Fairgrounds Oaks, but I'm telling you what, I, I think without a doubt that uh, Farrell should be installed as the favorite in the Kentucky Oaks.
3: I, I did catch on the replay, and uh, it w- was very impressed. It, it was it was a race that you know I, I didn't have a two dollar wager in. I just kind of I was really focused on the on the big one that day, and I was I was working, and I and I got a got a chance to you know snap back and see it. I, I have to agree with that a hundred percent. And I don't know if value is going to be uh, is going to be abound on the tote board that day, but uh, impressive nonetheless.
1: Well, with Unique Bella out, certainly some other horses are going to catch the handicapper's eyes. But, uh, you know, again, uh, the the thing about Farrell is uh, it won the grade two goldenrod impressively as a two-year-old at a track in Louisville. Churchill Downs where she will be stabled was stabled as a 2-year-old and made four career starts with two wins so that's got to be a plus for the Catalano barn again talking about you know lineage he comes from the the shed row of Hall of Fame trainer Jack Van Berg. So, again, another generation moves on uh, with some great horses. They turned out to be great horsemen themselves. Well, I got a great horse handicapper with me right now, and, Ed, you're going to have to undo some puzzles for me because – I'm starting to get a bald spot on the top of my head from scratching it, looking at some of these derby preps. The Toyota Bluegrass will be Saturday. Let's all remember that uh, Keeneland is back to dirt, and I think um, and it's uh, just a matter of time before this race is reinstalled as, as a grade one, just from the talent that's in here. Now, you've got the undefeated McCracken, you've got J Boys Echo who's just coming back from a win in the Gotham from the Dale Romans barn. It's your nickel, a horse that you told me you were very impressed with because you got to watch him live when he won the John Battaglia, and a horse that's really a mind-boggler, another one of the Pletcher trainees, and that's Tapret, was a big winner of the tampa bay derby and this horse has to prove himself he cost 1.2 million dollars and i haven't even gotten on to irap or practical joke okay ed help me out with the bluegrass pal because i'm going to be down there I
3: think handicappers from all walks for a long time have been saying the bluegrass is going to come up the saltiest of all the preps all season long, and it's living up to all the hype and then some, John. You mentioned three or four horses, and actually any three or four could win. Am I a fan of McCracken? Who isn't? A three-year-old colt by Ghost John, perfect four for four, but the one glitch here been off for 56 days now i understand there's time off for injury and a little caution and, and there were some training issues and such but you know 56 days at this time at seven to five i'm just going to look elsewhere and for the sake of just playing devil's advocate i know there's going to be a lot of mccracken fans out there and i am one but there is a cult here that i really love and that's jay boys echo yeah, trained by Dale Romans, Robbie Alvarado in the saddle. This is third start off of a layoff, a very solid run in the grade three. Withers run a, a very solid third against the injured Ella Reeb. And I was really impressed with that. Come back and run a very impressive Gotham. That was one of the better Gothams, John, in, in recent years. Jay boys Echo at 4-1, to one, shipping down from New York. Now, you remember, the wood is in New York this weekend, and Jay boys Echo really took to the track, but yet chips into Keeneland. I think they've got Kentucky on their minds. Dale Roman has known to pull him out right out of the hat. The hat goes deeper each and every year. Third off the layoff he wins twenty six percent. I'm in love with this runner at four to one.
1: All right. Well, you heard it, heard it here first, folks. Uh, Ed's, Ed's like in Jay Boy's echo, but let me tell you, there's no such thing as a sure thing in this race. So many horses with up upside to them, uh, including you know a lot of the wise guys are talking about Practical Joke coming out of the Chad Brown barn. Of course, he ran second to Gunavera in the Fountain of Youth, and last year in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, uh, ran third to Classic Empire, and of course, not this time. Uh, could be redemption for the Alba family and Dale Romans as they put J Boy's Echo in the gate. As you know, uh, the the promising not this time who ran second to Classic Empire uh, has been retired to stud. So this could be nice redemption in there out uh, if J Boy's Echo could get it done for those connections.
3: John, it it really would. I really didn't mention anything about Tappert, who really is – if you're a McCracken fan, you have to love Tappert almost as a 1A in your heart. But I believe Tappert, after that such an impressive blowout victory in the Tampa Bay Derby, may have peaked just a tiny bit early. And that's just me watching from from the outside in. I'm very impressed with Kraken and Tapper. This is going to be the race to watch. If you're a racing fan, don't be anywhere else except in front of your computer at the track or your O2B. This is, this is going to be one that really holds us weight. But as a long shot play to round out your tries... Don't be afraid of, number one, it's your nickel. John, I have not seen acceleration like this on the poly track since I've actually seen it laid down at Turfway Park, wins by six and a half lengths in a $100,000 Bataglia, and skips the spiral stakes, yet to run in the bluegrass, which is as tough as they come.
1: Absolutely. Well, of course, that horse is trained by Ken McPeak. As we move on to the Central Bank Ashland, uh, Kenny uh, trains a horse in here that may well be uh, uh, the favorite, Daddy's Little Darling. I believe uh, Kenny's won the Ashland twice already during his career. Uh, this horse is going to have to uh, hope that it's got some speed up front because Daddy's Little Darling likes to come from out of it, but also... This race at a mile and a sixteenth is right in its wheelhouse. Four lifetime starts, a first and a second. Almost every nickel that Daddy's Little Darling has made has been at a mile and a sixteenth. But it's still a wide open race. I don't think you can let this other uh, uh, Tappet go, uh, Pretty City Dancer. They tried an experiment with Blinkers in the Devana Dale. It didn't work. Mark Cassie, you know how he's loaded right now. Uh, That horse has got to be considered dangerous. As well as uh, Jerry Hollendorfer uh, coming in with uh, Tapped, who was a beaten favorite in the California Oaks.
3: When you mentioned Ken McPeak, I had the pleasure of meeting him a, a long time ago down at excuse me, Keeneland. And I introduced myself. He says, well, where have you worked at? I said, River Downs. And he said, do you know little John Englehart? I said, sir? do I know John Engelhardt Ken McPeak told me three stories John but that I will not repeat tonight thank you very much this is a family
1: show Ed family
3: show (laughs) he's a very big fan and what what a trainer John he's he's been a lot of fun watching him actually just get better and better with each year for me it's all pretty city dancer seven to two Joel Rosario for Mark Cassie you touched on the hot button there blinkers off it was a long time no blinkers they tried it in the Devona Dale It's I'm going to say toss that race, blinkers off, Cassie wins 27% of the time. Actually, they're heading right towards Kentucky. This three-year-old filly by Tappet is here for a reason. I think you got a great post position, and you talked about that mile and a 16th. That is the first finish line at Keeneland. There are two finish lines, and horses start making their run about the 516th, about midway into the turn, and they all start come barreling. But pretty city dancer, she looks to be a great
1: stalker. Well, we'll find out, again, another horse who started its career, Churchill Downs, um, uh and ended up being a stakes winner there in the debutant, an easy one. Again, that was only six furlongs, but it certainly knows that it likes the Churchill Downs strip. Well, uh, let's just touch on this race briefly. It doesn't have Oaks or, or Derby implications, but it's a grade one race at Keeneland on Saturday. Of course, we got the uh, pick fours and pick fives down there, all stakes. And uh, in the, uh, the grade one Madison, uh, looks to me like it's a, Kind of a wide-open race. I know a lot of people are are, are uh, touting Paula's silver lining, and it's it's hard to leave uh, Constellation off your ticket shipping in from Santa Anita, though he started his career uh, on the West Coast. But she shows a lot of t- gaps in between her races, and that, that scares me a little bit. I don't like seeing that. Anybody you like in the, in the Madison, I can put in my ticket
3: right where you left off with Constellation kind of caught my but you're right, John. There's a lot of gaps there. You see Saratoga, Aqueduct, then a gap in Dev's Turf Paradise. But what I like overall about this four-year-old filly by Bellamy Road, she's had nine starts, she's eight in the money with five wins. I really think that She's probably in the best cycle that I've seen, and I went back and I watched five races on video. Has a bullet at work at Los Alamitos on March 31st. I think Constellation's coming in about as fit and ready as possible. Going seven panels, she is two for two in the money with a win. John, I, I'm very impressed. I still love to watch David uh, Flores ply his trade. An $800,000 uh, Ocala Breeder Sale purchase in March of 15. John, I. I think she's there for a reason, and I believe she might be worth the money.
1: All right. Well, Ed, after seeing you at the spiral stakes two weeks ago and how much weight you've lost, I'm going to put a hunch bet on clothes fall off.
3: (laughs) I love you. The check is definitely in the
1: mail. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, Uh, I, I want to get in the Santa Anita Derby. And the Wood, another two races that are talent-laden, but leave us with some question marks. Let's go out west first, the Santa Anita Derby. There's a million dollars on the line, obviously, the winner and probably the second-place finisher may find their way uh, into the Derby. Bob Baffert has won this race seven times. He has no less than three horses in here. The handicapping angle I used was... Okay, which one's Mike Smith riding? And I noticed that he's riding Reach the World, another horse that looks like it's got nothing but upside. This will be a mile and an eighth, and he ran down Battle of Midway, who will be one of the favorites in here. Uh, then you've got the highly touted, uh, you know, American anthem that Mike jumped off of. Again, Martin Garcia will pick up that mount uh, for Bob Baffert, uh, but... There's 13 of them are going to go in the gate. Gary Stevens, this is the time of year he always gets hot. He's riding a horse for John Sheriffs, who put in a clunker in, in the Rebel Stakes. And a horse that I was high on real early, like last year and into this season, was Gormley. But, uh, boy, he just really put in a clunker in the San Felipe. I don't know if uh, John Sheriffs was able to get him turned around in time. But he won the sham this year. He won the grade one frontrunner at Santa Anita last year. And Victor Espinosa is elected to stay on him. Any of those horses tickle your fancy, Mr. Meyer?
3: Right out of the gate, you hit it right on the head with Reach the World. I'm a big Mike Smith fan. Bullet Bob Baffert, uh, he's really looking for his last go round of derby runners for this season, and they better strike gold here. I think Reach the World uh, really appeals to me. That optional claiming 75 at uh, Santa Anita was a very, very tough race, as you talked about. Very patiently handled by Mike Smith, waiting at the 516th pole. had to wait for a gap. Boom! Come running, got beat by a dirty neck. You have a nice bullet workout after that. I think reach the world. Bob Baffert knows how to bring a runner ready for this. And as you touched on, winning seven of these, I, I see it. Bob Baffert in the Mike Smith money show, and I see them actually going to Louisville right after this one, John.
1: I swear, about a third of the Derby field could feature three-year-old gray colt sired by Tapit. It's unbelievable. Oh, incredible <laughs> and Reach incredible. the World is is one of those and I've got my notes here on this horse that I'm wondering if that last race was a prep you know I mean it, sure 79,000 is I went nice. back and watched it
3: yeah, I, I think I think that uh, Baffert uh, he knows just how to get that that trigger ready, John, and he knows what he has here. Optional seventy five is a real gamer's race, and it was at the back of the pack of eight, and w- you know was only six and a quarter out of it. But when one hit the afterburners, this was a push button run here, and this uh, this son of Tappet really come after him.
1: I know how you like to read those bottom lines on the daily racing form PPs. Graded stakes wins 30%, Bob Baffert. Jockey trainer combination with Mike Smith 43% wins. <laughs> That's unheard of. Well, That's incredible. I want to make. I want to make sure we get in the uh, historic grade one uh, wood memorial. Um, again, this uh, race with El Ari on the sidelines kind of opens up the door for, for quite a few horses. I guess the big question here is, can we put a line through Irish war cries, Fountain of Youth?
3: Most definitely. That, that's, that's one right for the trash can. Toss it out. Everybody gets a clunker. That, uh, the son of Curlin was a beaten favorite in the Fountain of Youth that day. Toss it completely out. Prior to that, this Colt had just, this New Jersey bread had really just run his heart out. I'm a big Irish Warcry fan. I, I see the pace and being a big major player, if not the complete dictator. But for me, John, in the wood, a mile and an eighth, I'm going to go to number two, Motown. Javier Castellano aboard for Tony Dutrow, longtime New York trainer. You get a three-year-old Colt here by Uncle mo Very attractive. Once again, Toss out that last race. This has been a strict New York horse. Saratoga, Belmont, Aqueduct. Went to fairgrounds and throws in a clunker is the beaten favorite. Castellano in the irons. Johnny Velasquez off, which, you know, I'm not even going to go there. Both are just tremendous riders indeed. But you're getting second start of the year. That is the big money move for me. Second start in 2017, uh, he came in. He was three for four in the money lifetime. I see Motown getting a perfect garden trip right against the rail and inhaling the pace setters right about the quarter pole.
1: Well, you know, you you kind of said something there that that, uh, drew my eye to it, and that is the fact that uh, John Velasquez is electing to stay with Battalion Runner. Now, this is a gray colt. From the final crop of Unbridled Song, Uh, you probably recall seeing a horse by the name of Arrogate run recently, who was from the next to last crop of Unbridled Song, and this again, Todd Pletcher, it just has that blueprint of, I've been sitting on this horse, I've been letting develop, you know, I got a couple starts in him as a two-year-old, come back at Gulfstream, win an optional claimer, and now this horse might just be ready to be unleashed
3: that's a really good point and once again it's an optional claiming 75 i found more runners over the years when they run these big optional claiming events John, they prep, they feel it, it's kind of like a boxer working at the kinks right before they ring the bell, and I really think Battalion Runner is sitting on go, but there are some other tough guys in here that just aren't going to take it down uh, you know, very easily, and they're, they're going to fight back, and, and I think from the outside, you're going to get a lot of speed from Warcry, and that's why I, I really leaned overall with Motown being a perfect stalker, about third, maybe fourth at best, and I see Battalion Runner being a big factor. Taking taking a a tall order right on the front end, setting up shop. But Motown, John, I'm a big believer. This one sets up for a stalker.
1: Well, uh, you know, Cloud Computing with J-Boys Echo out of the race, uh, he did a pretty good job of uh, maintaining his spot in third and then tried to make a move on J-Boys Echo. Didn't get there, but J-Boys Echo is not going to be a player uh, in the Wood Memorial. You know, Chad Brown has just... You know, the way that he's broken onto the scene in the last couple of years, uh, you got to consider this horse a true threat. Because don't forget, it was seven links back to El Arib. In the woods. So it was basically just two horses down the lane, J Boy Echoes and and Cloud Computing. And it does look like he's been brought along uh, patiently, and he's by a sire that a lot of people are touting as a real hot sire. And that's that McLean's music. Um, I, I think he's a horse you can't leave off your ticket.
3: I can agree to that a, a thousand percent. Just off the of Gotham alone, John. I'm a Jay Boys Echo fan coming out down in Florida for the or excuse me for the for the same day. I really like Jay boys Echo to to really run big. That was a very powerful Gotham. Take good look at this one two or three times, and especially if you have the time to go back and watch the race. You'll see that the, the move by Jay Boyce was really impressive, but Cloud Computing put in a very game effort. Same race, same track, and Cloud Computing is there where he likes it.
1: All right. Well, uh, a lot of wide-open races. Ed, thanks so much for uh, being on with us here on Winning Ponies. Congratulations once again for your, your valiant uh, effort at taking that time off to compete in the uh, I did Ididatrod this year. I hope you'll stick around a little bit closer next year, but I'm sure I'm going to be seeing uh, some of these derby preps. I look forward to it. Thanks for being with us, my friend. John, it's
3: always a pleasure. And don't forget, download your Winning Ponies Easy Win forms, because... Winning Ponies is always dialed in on the marquee days.
1: And who would know better than the man I admire... Admire. Also want to thank uh, Barbara Livingston for being with us. I want to remind you that her, her book, uh, uh, Old and New Friends, is out. And don't forget to support Old Friends Farm. And uh, that pretty much closes it out. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you got a friend that uh, you'd like to share the show with, it'll be on podcast for sure. I want to thank our producer, Aaron Keller. And remind you, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.